uh, going to do something a little bit different. We finished up our Old Testament survey last week. I don't know that I'm going to start a new series until after the first of the year. But uh, I've got a couple of subjects that I want to deal with. <coughs> and the one we're going to deal with this Sunday, and Lord willing, next Sunday, is one that um, uh, we have for far too long misunderstood from Scripture. We've mistaught it in many cases in a lot of our churches from Scripture. And so uh, we're going to take a biblical look at this. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is on the subject of tithing and giving. And uh, there is a difference between the two words. And you know how I know there's a difference between the two words? They're spelled differently. <laughs> That's exactly right. And uh, so we see something different given uh, in Scripture. Um, a number of years ago, I, I had uh, kind of always taught and had heard taught uh, the typical messages from Malachi, uh, wherein do you rob gods in your tithes and offerings and bring the tithe into the storehouse, and uh, all of these types of messages to teach that we are to continue to uh, tithe 10% of all of our income, and that seems to be the standard teaching in our churches today. And whenever it's questioned, uh, whenever somebody questions that, uh, about whether we're supposed to be doing that now in the time that we are calling the New Testament times, um, a lot of times you'll hear the answer, well, uh, God did not tell us to stop, and therefore we must continue to tithe because the Old Testament talked about tithing. Well, let me give you two points on that very quickly. First of all, we don't establish a teaching or a doctrine on what's not in Scripture. Uh, we've got to be careful that we do not establish things based on that. The other thing is, even if we were to hold to that point, uh, most churches, and sad to say, most pastors, do not understand what the Old Testament taught about tithing. And uh, so about four years ago, uh, it was brought to my attention, and uh, I am always one to want to go to Scripture for the answer. And I will say this, that uh, have you ever, I don't know, I guess maybe I, I may have this worse than others perhaps, but have you ever noticed how once we believe something in our hearts, um, when something is shown to us differently from Scripture, our tendency is to say, well, that must be a mistake. Or I'm going to find it somewhere else in Scripture that it agrees with what I believe. And... The problem is, oftentimes, we come to Scripture to try to support what we believe rather than coming to Scripture to define what we believe. And uh, the importance of, of coming to Scripture for the purpose of knowing our doctrine and knowing the truth of His Word is vitally important. It is our sole authority. Uh, I, I don't care if, if every pastor that pastors an independent Baptist church teaches something other than the Bible. If the Bible says differently, then I'm going to follow what the Bible says. And it's going to cost some because you're going to lose some friendship. You're going to lose some fellowship over that. And uh, so I want to take some time. I, I took, when it was brought to my attention a number of years ago, um, I took a great deal of time. I took, I think it was probably at least five or six weeks to go through from Genesis through Revelation. And I wanted to find every mention that was given of tithing or that uh, talked about a tenth of our giving, uh, anything that was pertaining to something that we would consider today to be a tithe. 
And I was, I was shocked, to be honest with you. I, I wanted to come to Scripture and say, Lord, I want you to show me from Scripture what is taught. And the sad thing is, I oftentimes, as I would come across things in the Scriptures, I would discount what I read because it wasn't in line with what I believed. And we're, we're tempted to do that if we're not careful. So I want us to come to Scripture. We're going to look at a large number of passages both this week and next week. And so this week I'm going to deal with uh, what does the Old Testament teach about tithing? And then next week, Lord willing, if we're still here and the rapture hasn't happened, uh, Lord willing, we will teach on what does the New Testament say uh, about tithing and or our giving. And so we'll take a look at that next week. I want to ask you to do one thing, and that is to allow your hearts to be open to the truth of God's Word. Uh, it's not my opinion. I don't change positions lightly. Uh, I'm one of these guys that I like to dig my heels in, and what I believe, I believe, and I don't change on that. Um, but when the Bible gives irrefutable uh, truth that causes me to rethink uh, what I have held to for so many years, I have no other option than to follow what the Bible says. And so I'm going to share with you some of the things that I found in that study. I'm not going to give you all of the things that I learned because it would take... Uh, many, many weeks to go through and teach all of the passages that I found. Uh, but rest assured, uh, you can do your own personal study of this and just go to the Bible and find every account of tithing that you can find, or tenth, or ten percent, or whatever it is that you can find in Scripture, and look it up and find out if what we're teaching here is not accurate. I will say this also, just as a way of foundation, when I got done with the study, obviously the Bible had changed my position on it. And so my next question was this. Why? Why have we continued over the years to propagate something that is not found in Scripture? Why have so many preachers fallen after this thing? And there are a couple of reasons that I have found. One is, and I hate to say this, I'm sad to say this, but a lot of men who preach the gospel are very lazy when it comes to their Bible study. And they equate busyness in ministry to walking with God and studying His Word, and they don't spend a whole lot of time studying Scripture. And so what they rely on are the preaching from their peers. And when other preachers are preaching something, they tend to grab a hold of that message and just take it as truth. Can I express, express to you today that everything I preach from this pulpit, I, I urge and expect you to go to the Scriptures and make sure that it's right and that it's true. And if it is not, I want you to come to me. Because my desire is to be true. I want to be right according to Scripture. And I have no problem as a pastor having people in our church that say, Pastor, I think you missed it here. Let's look at Scripture and uh, to take a look at these things and uh, see if we're not right on them. The other thing I found out was, uh, in studying this, and, and when I asked that question, why have we taught it uh, in error for so long, uh, I began to look back to when it, when it seemed to creep into our what we would consider to be doctrinally sound churches. And uh, as I went back and I've read the Apostles' writings in the New Testament, and as I've read many of the 
men throughout the, the history of the church uh, that have written uh, on doctrine, I have found that most all of them throughout history, up until the late, when I say late, like 1895 was the first account I could find of somebody that was doctrinally sound, teaching tithing the way that we teach it today, which is an error. Up until then, for over 1,800 years, they taught it correctly. They taught it according to the Bible. But for some reason, around that time, uh, we began to see uh, it creeping into some of our churches. Now, there was another denomination that uh, is very much bent on the material aspect of the ministry, that began to teach this early, several hundred years earlier, and made it a requirement and an established burden on the people. And so much as to say that if you don't tithe, God's going to get you. And that was kind of the the mindset of it. How many of you have heard somebody, even in good preaching churches, that have alluded to the fact that if you don't tithe, God's going to get it from you one way or the other? Any of you ever heard that before? I have too. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. And uh, so uh, I want us to take a, 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 a biblical look at these things. Uh, and uh, it began to get prominent in our circles in the early 1900s. Um, this is where we began to see a number of churches about, 18, or about 1918, 1920, somewhere in that range. We began to see a number of our churches, our kind of churches, that hold to the Bible, hold to the Scripture, began to teach these things. Does anybody remember what took place back in the 1920s and, and shortly following? Well, economically in our country, what happened? Great Depression. The churches were hurting financially. And I, I can't prove this. I don't have anybody that wrote things from that time period that said this is the reason we're doing it. But I suspect that when money began to get tight, that it was easier for the churches to start teaching their people that you're required to do 10%, and if you don't do 10%, God's going to get you. And I find some issues with that. There are some problems that I think are, are very vital in this. One of them, and not the least of which, is the fact that God says that He loveth a cheerful what? Giver. Any of you been ever put under a financial obligation and been thrilled that you're under a financial obligation? I mean, to be cheerful about it, be like, wow, I can't believe I get to give this and it's required of you. I, I don't see cheerfulness in giving that way. I think there's another problem. The Bible speaks very clearly in the New Testament that now that we're saved, we are to walk in the Spirit. We're to seek for the Holy Spirit's leading and guidance in our life every single day. And if we tithe simply the 10% that we know that the Bible says is, is owed to us according to the way it's being taught, uh, there is no leading of the Holy Spirit in that. We fill out an obligation every week. Uh, I know what my paycheck is. Here it is, a tenth of it. And even if I'm on commission, I know it's going to be a tenth of my paycheck. And there's no praying. There's no seeking for God's will in the area of our giving. And I have a real problem with that. And we'll see that in Lord willing next week. So let's take a look at the Old Testament. And uh, we're going to look at some scriptures. I'm certain uh, I will have some people that probably will hear this. Oh, by the way, Brother Harold, I'm not sure. Did we trigger the... Uh, brother? Is, oh, no, I'm sorry. Brother Keith said he would trigger it and then, then go get her. So I think we're okay. If you want to check and just make sure it's red on that on the screen. 
Because I know we've got a lot of our people gone. I hate to not have it here. We're good? Okay. All right. I'm certain that we may, I may get some notes and some emails from men of God and pastors and churches that will say, uh, Brother Greg, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. We've taught this for years. It's, it seems to be our heritage, and who are you to change what has been taught for uh, the last hundred or so years? And the truth is, I'm not anybody. I'm just trying to show you what the Bible says and for you to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. If you come out of this in the next week or two, and you say, I still believe that I am supposed to and I am obligated to give 10%. I'm sure God is not going to punish you for that. You're still giving. But I will say that I think we miss out on the great joy of giving simply because uh, we do not give biblically in the day that we live. So let's take a look here. We're going to start in uh, Leviticus, I'm sorry, in Numbers chapter number 18. Numbers chapter number 18. Uh, now, there are several things I want to just lay a groundwork for also here. When the law was given, uh, there were different types of laws. Uh, one of them was what was called a ceremonial law. The ceremonial law was something that was given specifically to the nation of Israel as an identifying mark and as a mark of their worship to the one true God. Um, and so they were to give sacrifices. They were to have certain feasts at certain times. And I will say this, that Christ, the Bible says, was the fulfillment of the law in that aspect from the sense of the ceremonial law. Uh, we are no longer under that obligation. We don't bring uh, lambs and have a Passover for the remission of our sins or for the forgiveness of our sins or for the covering of our sins. The Bible says in Hebrews that he died once for all, and that the blood of calves and goats cannot redeem us of our sin. Only the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ can redeem us of our sin. So the ceremonial laws were for a period of time and for a specific people and for a specific purpose. They are not to be followed in the New Testament times. Then there were what were referred to as civil laws. <coughs> Civil laws dealt with the government of the people and uh, how they were to govern themselves, uh, what they were to do when there were disagreements, what they were to do to judge one another. We learn from the civil laws, but we are not bound to them in the New Testament. For instance, if a child uh, was rebellious to his parents, the civil law, it wasn't ceremony, it was civil. The civil law of the Israelites was what? To stone them to death. We do not practice that any longer. Uh, immorality, uh, fornication, adultery, uh, sodomy, uh, all of these had a penalty of death. We don't practice those anymore. But do we still allow the civil law of God to teach us some moral position that we should have in our society today? Well, the answer is yes. So it has an influence to us. But, but it does not hold us under its, its thumb as a law. And then there are the universal moral laws that God gives. These are laws that every man ought to be following after. Uh, we, ought not to, we ought not to kill. We ought not to steal. And, and so on. And so, again, we're dealing with things that uh, oftentimes we look to as our school teacher, our, our schoolmaster, the Bible calls it, 
to teach us the moral uh, righteousness of a holy God and for us to try to emulate that and try to uh, follow after those moral laws as much as possible. But we are not under the law. Uh, in fact, the Apostle Paul says, all things are lawful for me. But he goes on to say, all things are not expedient, though. And he teaches this idea that in the New Testament, we are not bound under the Old Testament laws. But they ought to be used as our schoolmaster. Now, the ceremonial laws, those don't apply at all, because those were specifically for the children of Israel. We don't sacrifice lambs. We don't have the feasts and the festivals like they used to back then. And so we don't follow after those things. We need to determine, uh, when it comes to this thing of Old Testament tithe, which law did it fall under? Which type of law? Let's take a look in uh, Numbers, chapter number 18. And I want to start off by saying this. I've heard preachers say this, and I've had discussions with them, and they, they, they make the statement, well, um, <clears throat> it, was, it was required in the Old Testament, God didn't put a stop to it in the New Testament, so we should just keep on keeping on. All right, let's, let's use that for a moment and just say they're right, which they're not, but let's say they are, okay? There are three tithes that are commanded in the Old Testament. And by the word tithe, each of them is a tenth. Now, those of you that are savvy in math, if there are three tithes and each of them are a tenth, uh, how much percentage is that? 10, 20, 30 percent, isn't it? Why do we teach 10 percent? Why not 30? I mean, if we're going to follow the Old Testament law. The second thing is, and I'm going to teach you what each of these are. We're going to look at scriptures. The, 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 the three tithes that there are, let me just start here. Uh, the three tithes that there are was one tithe was to be given to the Levites because they did not have an inheritance in the land. And the only way they didn't starve to death was the people of Israel brought their tithe. Now, it's interesting, and we're going to see this play out in Scripture. The tithe that they were to bring was always in regards to food. It dealt with their crops or their flocks. It did not deal with their income. It did not deal with those that were merchants, but dealt with their flocks and their crops. They were to give the first fruits, and uh, they were supposed to give uh, of the, the, I'm sorry, not the first fruits in every case, but they were to give a tenth. And in some cases, they were not to determine whether a, uh, a part of their flock had uh, blemishes or not. They weren't to sort out what was the good and what was the bad. They were just supposed to pick ten of them and, and go. And um, so there was, there was all, it was always to deal with food. And so the first tithe was they were to bring it to the Levites. And then the Levites were to take what they had gotten uh, by the people of Israel, and they also were to take of what they had gotten, which was food, uh, that which was uh, from uh, the crops or or from the flocks, and they were also to give a tenth of what they received to the priests that were actively serving in the temple at the time. Uh, And again, this was God's way of providing for those that did not have an inheritance. This tithe is rather interesting. It did not begin until they came into the promised land because uh, the Levites were not given a place to, um, to farm and to get food. Prior to the promised land, how were the Levites fed? Somebody tell me. How were the Levites fed prior to the promised land? 
they were fed the same way all of the other Israelites were fed, which was by the manna of God. And so they were to do it once they got into the promised land. And for as long as they were in the promised land, and the office of the Levite was in existence in that period of time, they were to tie the tenth of their crops and their flocks to uh, the Levites for them to consume it and to, to have a way of living. That's a lot different than uh, the tithing we teach about today. We teach about, well, let's give 10% to the Lord's work. Well, okay, so it goes to buildings and electricity, right? That was never the, the purpose. You know what was used for the upkeep and the maintenance of the temple in the Old Testament? Offerings. The leaders would come to them, and we'll, we'll see this, and we're probably not going to get even through our Old Testament tithing because we haven't even got to our first passage yet. But uh, Moses comes to the people, and they are going to build the tabernacle. And he asks them, hey, uh, bring, it, bring it in. They don't tie the tenth. They bring what God laid on their heart. And it was so much that at some point Moses had to say, stop, it's enough. we got plenty. Don't bring any more. I don't find a lot of churches teaching that today, do you? Uh, telling their people, hey, wait a minute, stop. We, you guys are giving way too much. I don't see a lot of that happening today. But if we're going to follow the Old Testament pattern, these are things that ought to happen. The second tithe that was given was a festival tithe. The festival tithe was something that <coughs> was to be set aside for an entire year. It was a tenth, and it was for the purpose, once a year, uh, the people from Israel were supposed to travel, to once they got into the Promised Land, to Jerusalem for the purpose of bringing their tithe for the Levites, for bringing their tithe to the Levites and giving it to them. And a great festival was there. They had a heave offering. Um, they had the Feast of Tabernacles during this time. And it was, a, it was a, a big celebration, a big time of worship. And so the second tithe was a tithe that folks were supposed to set aside. And this tithe was to pay for the trip and for their enjoyment of the festival. Uh, in other words, they were to spend it on their own family. They were to use it, and, and if we were to look at it today, it would be something akin to uh, people once a year uh, trying to have some kind of a time away and getting their batteries recharged. It may be a camp meeting or a Bible conference or maybe just a time away with their family, with the Lord. That would be something similar to what this tithe was to be used for. But they were to put it aside all year long, and when the time came for God to have them go and travel to this place, they were to use those funds, those, those means, to travel and to pay for the trip and to allow them, once they got there, to enjoy it. Now, again, this was a food tithe. You'll see that here in just a little bit. And uh, they were to carry this with them. And if they could not carry it because the distance was so large, uh, the Bible tells us that they were allowed to convert that to money. And then when they got to the festival, they could buy then. The, the, the things they need for their family to enjoy the festival, the food, and the time of festivities. And then there was a third uh, tithe. And the third tithe was to be taken for those that were the poor, the widows, and the fatherless. An interesting note here. The poor were never commanded to tithe. The widows and the fatherless never commanded to tithe. They were to be the recipients of the tithe. Now, they were allowed to give offerings if they so chose, and if they felt like that was something God laid on their hearts, they could give an offering. But it was not required by law. 
This is a lot different, isn't it, than what is taught today? These preachers that come out and say, boy, it was done in the Old Testament. Bless God, we've got to do it in the New Testament. Okay, if we're going to hold to that, then let's do it according to the New Testament. So, you all save 10% of your crops and your flocks. Okay, how many of you have those? Okay, and then when you get them, you need to give them to the Levites. How many of you know where the Levites are? They're actually not even used in that office or in that, in that purpose any longer. Uh, so again, and, and, and many of them are not in the promised land. So you'd have to travel to the promised land. How many of you go to the Feast of Festivals or Feast of Tabernacles? Any of you ever travel there? All right, well, then that offering's probably not there. Uh, so we've got some, some, some odd things here that because we teach so often, it was done in the Old Testament, we need to do it in the New Testament, but then we don't teach what was done in the Old Testament. Let's take a look at each of these. We're going to look at all three tithes this week, and I don't know if I'm going to have time to get through all this. We may have to pick up next week. But let's take a look at each one of these. Look at Numbers 18, and we're going to begin in verse number 21. We're going to start with the Levitical tithe. <coughs> the Levitical tithe. Numbers chapter 18. And uh, let's begin in verse number 20. Numbers chapter 18 and verse number 20. And the Lord spake unto Aaron, Thou shalt have no inheritance in their land, neither shalt thou have any part among them. I am thy part and thine inheritance among the children of Israel. And behold, I have given the children of Levi all the tenth in Israel for an inheritance for their service which they serve, even the service of the tabernacle of the congregation. And so we find here the first introduction of the tithe that is to be given uh, to the priestly line of the Levites. Let's also look, if you will, in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, verse, down to verse number, um, let's go down to uh, verse number 25 of the same chapter. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, so now he's told Aaron this, now he's telling Moses this, Thus speak unto the Levites, and say unto them, When ye take the children of Israel, uh, take, uh, when ye take of the children of Israel the tithes which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then ye shall offer up an heave offering of it for the Lord, even a tenth part of the tithe. And this your heave offering shall be reckoned unto you as though it were the corn of the threshing floor, and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus ye also shall offer an heave offering unto the Lord of all your tithes, which ye receive of the children of Israel, and ye shall give thereof the, Lord, uh, uh, thereof the Lord's heave offering to Aaron the priest. Out of all your gifts ye shall offer every heave offering of the Lord, of all the best thereof, even the hallowed part thereof, out of it. And so again, we find that this is something that was from the corn, from the threshing floor, from the wine press. And this was the tithe. Uh, that was used in that time period. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter number 12. And again, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to prove something that I've held to for years. I'm trying to say uh, I, I held to a different way until the Bible showed me otherwise. And I think it's important for all of us to say, I want to know what the Bible says. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12. And... Uh, Let's look in verse number 17. Thou mayest not eat within thy gates the tithe of the what? Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 17. The tithe of the what? The tithe of thy corn or of thy 
wine, or of thy oil, or of the firstlings of thy herd, or of thy flock, nor any of thy vows which thou vowest, <coughs> nor thy free will, what's that word? Offerings, or heave offering in mine hand. So here we see the introduction not only of the fruit of the ground, but also the herds are now introduced at this point. And uh, God expands on this and clarifies it a little bit more in Deuteronomy than He did in Numbers. And so we find that they are to give of the fruit of the ground, uh, the fruit of the vine, or their herds. Verse 18, But thou must eat them before the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, thou and thy son and thy daughter, thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levite that is within thy gates, and thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God in all that thou puttest uh, all that thou puttest thine hands unto, take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite, as long as thou livest upon the earth. And so again, we find that they are to uh, give to the Levites. Verse number 20. When the Lord thy God shall enlarge thy border, as he hath promised thee, and thou shalt say, I will eat flesh, because thy soul longeth to eat flesh, thou mayest eat flesh uh, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after if the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to put his name, there be too far from thee, then thou shalt kill of thy herd and of thy flock which the Lord hath given thee, as I have commanded thee, and thou shalt eat in thy gates whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, even as the roebuck and the hart is eaten, so thou shalt eat them, the unclean and the clean shall eat of them alike. Only be sure that thou eat not the blood, for the blood is the life, and thou mayest not eat life with the flesh. Thou shalt not eat it, Thou shalt pour it upon the earth as water. So again, uh, we find that they were to eat at this festival, that they brought their tithes to the Levites. They were to uh, feast at this festival in this time of year. Look with me in Deuteronomy chapter number 16. Deuteronomy chapter number 16. And let's look in verse number 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse number 16. In verse 13, he talks about the fact that it's during the Feast of Tabernacles that this is to take place. And as we get down to verse 16, the Bible says this, Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able. Do we see that? As he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. That sounds a lot different than if you don't give 10%, God is going to get you. Doesn't that sound a little different? Each man is to give as he is able in these cases. So it's not dealing in this passage with a tithe. It's dealing with a free will offering. Very important that we understand this. Uh, let's look in Deuteronomy chapter number 14. Let's back up just a little bit. And verse number 22, that there is a difference between the tithe and giving. All right? Deuteronomy chapter number 14, let's look in verse number 22. Thou shalt truly tithe all the increase of thy what? Of thy what? Seed that the field bringeth forth year by year. 
And thou shalt eat before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose to place his name thereon. The tithe of thy what? Thy what? Corn and of thy wine and of thine oil and the firstlings of thy herds and of thy flocks, that thou mayest learn to fear the Lord thy God always. This is an act of worship and is considered to be a ceremonial law. And if the way be too long for thee, verse 24, so that thou art not able to carry it, or if the place be too far from thee, which the Lord thy God shall choose <coughs> to set his name there, then the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, when, when the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. Then shalt thou turn it into money, and bind up the money in thy hand, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose. And thou shalt bestow that money for, notice this, whatsoever thy soul lusteth after, for oxen, for sheep, for wine, or for strong drink, or for whatever thy soul desireth, and thou shalt eat thereof before the Lord thy God, and thou shalt rejoice, thou and thine house. They were commanded to use this offering for their festival time. They were to use it for whatever their soul lusteth after, to be able to eat it before the Lord and to enjoy it before Him. Uh, very, very important uh, that we understand this from Scripture. And then the third time uh, is Deuteronomy chapter 14 also. We're going to stay in that same chapter. Look down in verse number 28. At the end of what's the next two words here? Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 14, 28. At the end of what? Three years. Thou shalt bring forth all thine increase, uh, a tithe, all the tithe of thy increase the same year. So... Not, you, don't, you don't hold the tithe for three years. At the end of three years, that, that third year, you're to hold the tithe uh, that same year. And shalt lay it up within thy gates. Now, you say, well, it says all thine increase. Doesn't that include uh, money? And uh, doesn't that include your wages and all of that kind of thing? A lot of people teach this. They'll say, ah, right there it says all thine increase. Let's look at verse number 29, though, because in understanding Scripture, there are three main rules. Number one, context. Number two, what is it? Context. And number three, context. We've got to see what is he talking about here. Let's look at verse number 29. And the Levite, because he hath no part nor inheritance with thee, and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow which are within thy gates shall come and shall what? Eat. It is difficult to eat a wage. It's very hard to do that. They were to be giving of their fields and of their flocks. That's what God had instructed them to do. It's understood in verse 28 that this is the tithe of all the increase that is spoken of. We know that by verse 29 when it says that they're to come and they're to eat of this tithe. And be satisfied, and the Lord thy God may bless thee in all the work of thy hand which thou doest. Again, a lot of people misunderstand and misteach this problem. I am only about halfway through, and it is time to end. Um, bear with me. Don't call me a heretic yet. Let's get through it all, okay? Uh, if you say, Pastor, I've believed this for all my life. I've been hearing it from pastors all over the world. That's fine. I'm not saying we're not to give. But give me time to finish through uh, all of the teaching, all right? 
we're going to find out something pretty interesting as we get to the New Testament. And I think it will really change and give you great joy in the way you give. And so hang in there with me, all right? And if you want to, get you a concordance out or some way to look up verses of Scripture, and you can start this week and look up every time the Bible talks about the tithe or the tenth, and we'll take a look at it. There are two times before the law was given that a tithe was mentioned. One of them was when Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. Understand this when you go there, that that was not a law. That was a voluntary thing that he did to honor Melchizedek. And he didn't give it to the church. He gave it to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek initially rejected it, said, I don't want it. So there's some problems with saying that that's the first time that we were told we have to, we have to tithe, because that was a voluntary thing. Jacob also tithed. And once again, prior to the law being given, was a time of uh, showing his heart and his gratitude by giving. And uh, we're going to see that that plays a vital importance in our New Testament giving. And so uh, hang in there with me. Uh, don't, don't go home and contact everybody on Facebook and say, Oh, Pastor Greg is teaching something that's not scriptural. Folks, I have tried to be as scriptural as it's possible to be on this subject. Because I don't like to be wrong on something. And I will say this, for many, many years, I was wrong on it. And I'm thankful that the Bible teaches us what it wants us to know about this. So hang in there with me. Come next Sunday, and we'll finish up doing the Old Testament. We might get into the New Testament giving that is talked about. I, I urge you to do this. Uh, if you've got time this week, look up tithing in the New Testament. There's only two places it's mentioned. And uh, in Matthew and in Mark, both of them dealing with pre-Calvary. So still, not everything written in the New Testament is New Testament. Understand that until Christ died on the cross, it was still Old Testament. And even then, he does it in a negative sense. He does it to uh, uh, condemn the Pharisees uh, for their legalized giving. And I pray that the Lord would help open our eyes and open the eyes of other men that we would get to this place where we trust what the Bible says and, and enjoy and experience the great thrill and the great joy that there is in giving the biblical way and the way that the New Testament teaches us. So let's go ahead and stand. We'll be dismissed in prayer and uh, then take time to fellowship afterwards. But uh, hang in there with us. It's going to get better, okay? Let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for Your Word, how it instructs and guides us. I do pray that you would give us discernment and wisdom in understanding your word. Lord, I've tried very carefully, and maybe even more than I should have, to not change my point of view for a light reason. I've tried not to come to this with the intent of changing my view 